raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's a Wednesday, folks. I'm already throwing shots at Fitty. We got Wes hopping on with the Fly Hornets jacket already. Did you put yourself on the on the drip watch today? Did you put yourself making a funny face like you did me yesterday, or did you? <laughs> I'll not do, do it. That? I'll do it. All right, just for you. I feel like we you... can both, you know, have our uh, little faces. All right, because I wore my MF Doom cutoff hoodie for like the 18,000th time, but you've got something on that I haven't seen in a while at least. So it's yeah. the Hornets jacket. I have to imagine you got that when you were getting the team discount oh, and yeah. you loaded up on all sorts <laughs> of Hornets stuff. Yeah, I have two of them, so um, for sure. And I, I got my son one too, so all right. that 30% was coming in handy. All right, popping son, sporting the Hornets today. Fitty, you wanted to get on the mic and say something? Seemed like you had a little frustration over there. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I long for the day that I'm on a platform where I can use uh, curse words very freely. Whoa. Because, you know, I get accused of being the bleep starter. But today it was you just talking all kinds of crazy <laughs> as the intro was going on to where I could not just cuss you out before mm-hmm. we started the show. No, you like Bet that tactic? Move by you. That's a pro. That's a pro move. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm also going to pat myself on the back for this amazing war cry we're about to give out to everyone. Yeah, man. Are you ready to go, Fiddy? Did I get you angry enough to where you can convert the profanity into a, just he yelling? He give a good one with that. I was about to say, all the profanity, can you just convert it into yelling? No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ready? Okay. Yeah, right, just no, make sorry. sure you He's got this thing so about a dump button. All right. You guys know what it is. War Cry Wednesday here on Weston Walker. I don't care if you're in the office. I don't care if you're at the intersection. We want people to understand when they look at you yelling, when they look at you screaming, and they see that vein pop out right at the temple, they know you're listening to Weston Walker because it's Wednesday. And on the count of three, we're going to give the people what they want. One, two, three. War Cry! A voice is gone. <laughs> Open up the doors, Fitty. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting Yee! off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! <clears throat> is it crazy I scream Damn. war cry, the actual word? I don't know. I scream different stuff every time. <laughs> my voice, it, it hurts now. I don't think my, I think I need like a week and a day, but I always just cut it off at a week. And so at some point when I do War Cry Wednesday, I'm not going to have any voice whatsoever. Tell us where you were when you gave a War Cry. You can lie. You can tell the truth. I just want to see where you said you did it on That's the text right. line. Maybe people are yelling because they're angry about the news that we got from Anthony Richardson and the Colts about Anthony Richardson because Jim Ursay disclosed that they 
feel that he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Quote, after consultation with our medical staff, Anthony Richardson and those close to him, it has been determined that he will undergo surgery to repair his injured shoulder, which will end his season. This is what Jim Ursay wrote on a post on Twitter. Quote, Anthony is a competitor, and we know how difficult and disappointing this is for him and our team. We collected several medical opinions. This is the least qualified. And we felt this was the best. Get out of here, Jeff. Don't. I know your heart is. Don't call us unqualified. Okay, please. All right. So I love the fight of this team. I'm excited for the opportunity we have ahead of us. It starts this week at Cleveland, yada, yada. Really, the thing is, we know Anthony Richardson is going to be out for the season. Wes, this is a monster deal for that Colts franchise even going forward. Because I was listening to the Dominique Foxworth podcast, and he was asked this question that I want to ask you. He was asked, does this season-ending shoulder surgery change how you view him for the rest of his career? And Dominique took it as, yeah, of course I do. Because this is someone that plays with a physical style and we embrace it. And we like what he can bring as an athlete on the football field. And the dude got hurt every single game he played. And then the last one actually caused season-ending shoulder surgery on his throwing arm. So this really sucks for anybody that just wants to see good football and the next wave of young quarterbacks come into play. But we also have this connection with Bryce Young. Because Bryce Young was the number one overall pick, except there was a lot of love for Anthony Richardson in that building. And so this could have been us to a certain degree. I ask you, how differently do you view Anthony Richardson's future? Um, Not really. That much has changed to me because guys get by so many injuries now. There's really no debilitating injuries outside of maybe... Uh, I guess a micro fracture is still a huge deal, but most guys come back from the majority of injuries that they have. So I think, you know, obviously it stinks. We want to see him play. Obviously the Colts want him lining up under center for them to be able to play the rest of this season. And it was going to be exciting to see what he was going to turn into as the season progressed. But I think he'll come back next season ready to go, but hopefully a smarter guy who can protect himself a little bit more and uh, be able to keep this from happening in the future. Trevor Lawrence was an oracle when he talked about, hey, young fella, just make sure you protect yourself on these runs because they hit a little different here in the NFL than they do at the college level. No, I understand where Dominique is coming from, though, <laughs> because it ha- I, I think it does change at least a little bit. I, often, I oftentimes think teams are a little too concerned with injury history, especially with recent injuries that some prospects will suffer the year before they get drafted. For instance, a Brock Bowers, right? Brock Bowers has this injury where he might be eligible to come back for the college football playoff. It looks like that might be able to happen. But if, if he was hurt to the point where he would be missing this season and then he would be going into the NFL season his rookie year a little bit hurt, man, how, that would hurt his draft stock. But it's all about the big picture. Like, I I usually am on board with thinking, oh, they're a little too concerned with those injuries, right? But with Anthony Richardson, I am concerned about that. And it does change the way I view how much you want to buy stock into his career going Like how? Like, do you think that this is an injury that's going to keep him from being able to do his job well? Or do you think this is just going to be a guy that's going to be injury prone? Injury prone? Maybe both, Wes. And this is the reason why. Man, we saw what happened with a physical freak at quarterback with a shoulder injury. We saw what happened to that guy. 
we saw what happened to him, and his name was Cam Newton, and it happened on a T.J. Watt hit. Yeah. Now, he was later in his career, but we all know still he was deteriorating faster than what normal all-pro QBs do, and it was because of his play style. The best comp that we could come up with with Anthony Richardson, so many people compared him to a Cam Newton. Maybe there was some Josh Allen in there because Josh Allen is a physical freak as well. But, man, when he goes down now with that injury, I just wonder... One, does it put people at ease drafting Bryce Young? As much as I don't want to see anybody get injured. Like, this sucks for me. I want to watch good football players, and I loved the prospect of Anthony Richardson. But one, does it put people at ease at all? Do you change at all how you view the Bryce Young-Anthony Richardson comparison? And I also wonder what it would have looked like if they had followed their Anthony Richardson intuition here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, too, you never know what would have happened had he been drafted here because completely different situation, game scenarios to where maybe he wouldn't have gotten hurt if he would have come here. But the thing is, for all those people out there that were clamoring so much and still are talking about how small Bryce is and how he's going to get hurt and things of that nature, I hope this finally makes you shut the hell up because (laughs) uh, Anthony Richardson has all the size attributes you could ever want. He's a creator player. And he's hurt out for the season. Bryce Young is still trucking. So can we please stop with the size injury deal? 100%. Like, you, you, you talk about Anthony Richardson being the guy now that's injured for the year, and he was the exact opposite physically than what Bryce Young is. But I, I do think it's interesting to Oh, think- and really quick, too. Not to, sorry to cut you off, but... You know, he got hurt a couple times before this as well. So yeah. he's been very banged up this year. Which is, which is honestly a little bit more as to why I'm a little worried about him and the rest of his career moving forward. But let's say that the Panthers actually do draft Anthony Richardson. Let's say, because I don't, yeah, CJ Stroud, maybe with Frank Reich, they also like Richardson. So apparently they liked everybody, depending on who you let tell it. But if they would have drafted him, I wonder what that alternate universe looks like. So let's just say the injuries play out the same because that's too hard to account for. But let's just say the injuries, it it still happens to him. And then Andy Dalton comes in. Do we have Thomas Brown as the play caller if Andy Dalton is the quarterback with Frank Reich? Because do we just see something that looks very similar to what it did against Seattle? Yeah. Are you 0-6? With Andy Dalton starting at QB and even Anthony Richardson when he was playing at the beginning of the season. Now, if that happens, then are we talking about the Heat being on Scott Fitterer as much? I just wonder how many different things would have changed because you would have selected somebody different. And then even if the pick itself is injured for the season, Andy Dalton comes in and actually helps you a little bit because he might be the best backup QB in all of the NFL. I just think, man, what a weird scenario that would have been to to try to picture the Carolina Panthers being in. Yeah, alternate universes are fun. That's why you enjoy them (laughs) so much. But I think if you draft Anthony Richardson, the offense is definitely going to be more run-oriented. You're going to definitely see more zone read with Anthony Richardson. And I think that helps the passing game a little bit more because that play action would slow down some of those pass rushes. So maybe Icky, instead of giving up two sacks, he only gives up one sack. Or uh, you just never know. But I think the offense would look vastly different because it would be more of a power run. And the quarterback would be that 11th guy that you had to account for on run plays. Uh, I think he would be more prone to run out of the pocket than Bryce would. But Richardson has shown, and he looks to be an adept passer in the league, too. He doesn't look like he's as limited as people thought he was going to be. So 
Uh, there's no telling what you would have gotten in an alternate universe. All right. I had told you to tell us where you let out your war cry on this Wednesday listening to Wes and Walker. 919 wrote in, men's room at Lowe's, dropping kids off at the pool. Okay, gross. Jamal the Desmond Ritter Truther from Charlotte said, needed the scream uptown driving down trade. Well, we're happy to give you that scream there, Jamal. 336 said, war cry Wednesday in the middle of my hydrology class at UNC Charlotte. Okay. Maybe Biff Pogey heard me. Yeah, maybe he did. <laughs> maybe Biff Pogey did hear you. Uh, Logo 704, I let my windows down on 77 to do that. And big shouts to Uber uh, Steve. He rode in. You scared my riders with that war cry. <laughs> I'm glad. Be scared. We're ferocious here on Wesson Walker. That's right, baby. All right, let's move on to the next segment. We have some breaking news. How about this? Coming in from Adam Schefter just 13 minutes ago. Panther safety Jeremy Chin. Hit it, Wes. Thank you. I can't give you the breaking news without it. <laughs> Adam Schefter says Panther safety Jeremy Chin has a significant quad injury that is expected to sideline him up to six weeks per league sources. Goodness gracious. Chin really? does not need surgery, but he is also in the last year of his contract and scheduled to be a free agent after this season. We'll talk a little more about how that might affect his trade value being one of the more rumored potential trade pieces on this team. That's coming up next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We got breaking news heading into the break that Jeremy Chin would be out for six weeks initially because of a quad injury. You can text in with your thoughts at 704-570-9610 again. 704-570-9610. I've never seen anything like it. All the injuries that the Panthers defense is suffering, really? There's something in the water in Charlotte between the Hornets. And the Panthers, my God. I was about to say, maybe in the NFL or maybe with the Panthers, but we did see something like it with the Hornets last year. Losing chemicals, man. That's what it is. It's You said what? I just said losing chemicals. Losing chemicals in the water? Yeah, because, I mean, they're both uh, losing at a historic rate, so... That was a bit of a reach, but I mean, I was, I wasn't. Necess- I mean, you just said there's something in the water. Look, there's some losing going on, and Lord knows we're drowning in it over here. Yeah, I mean, it's just God. <laughs> Everything is a complete mess because of that. The Everything- rookies are going to have to play now. At this point, Jamie Robinson is going to have to get some playing time, and and some other guys, and they're going to have to go find some more guys off the street. This second day has been decimated. So, in other words, they're giving up forty burgers every week. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, I don't, although. I mean, it's not like Jeremy Tim was playing a ton anyway. Yeah, this is true. But He's playing, what, 56% of the snaps heading into this week? 
So this is the reason why that we had all of these I think trade it was conversations. Thirty like something percent Sunday. So here's Jeremy Jeremy Fowler of ESPN talking about the potential trade of Jeremy Chin. Just rumor based stuff that they'll put out on the NFL tab on ESPN. Fowler says, "Quote: As far as teams potentially trading away players, people around the league are intrigued by Carolina. Burns would undoubtedly have a robust market, but the Rams offered two first rounders and more last year. Carolina didn't bite." Safety Jeremy Chin could be a name to watch. He's played a combined 28 snaps the past two weeks and enters a contract year. Philadelphia has been beat up in the secondary, and we know GM Howie Roseman never shies away from a deal. So Philadelphia is a team that people are paying attention to. Maybe Jeremy Chin could be traded there, but with this injury, Adam Schefter reporting that he's going to be out up to six weeks, then there goes his trade value. This is this is pretty unfortunate because if we talk about not Brian Burns, because he's going to get the most value out there on the trade market. If you really wanted to be sellers or just trade guys that you didn't find valuable going forward, that you didn't want to give another contract to, you're talking Terrace Marshall Jr., Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin is the guys that have been in trade rumors. Jeremy Chin was somebody that I thought would get the most value out of those three, although it's, you know, I don't know. Who who knows, right? I thought Jeremy Chin, but it could be either of the other two as well. If that's the case, now here we are trying to recoup some of these draft picks that we've lost over the years, trading up to go get the number one overall pick, and nope, football gods say, uh-uh, you can't have that with Jeremy Chin, because now you're just going to wait for him to hit free agency, pay him whatever you want to, not give up a trade pick, or a draft pick. So, yeah, like... This is this is really unfortunate for Scott Fitter and the Carolina Panthers, not only because he can't be out there on the field and help in the snaps that he was playing, but also now you can't trade him if you never planned on re-signing him anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows what the value was going to be. I didn't think it would be a ton, but I think they could have maybe salvaged something for him. I think the fact, too, that in Evero's defense that his, the playing time is getting less and less and that they still don't know quite what to do with him. Like I said, a man with no land uh, there. So I think that hurt it as well. But, yeah, this injury certainly does not help either, uh, especially in a contract year. Yeah, so here we are. Bagel Guy writes, Walker, does the chin injury really affect us? He was only playing like 20% of the defensive snaps. I think it was 56 heading into this game. You were right about it dwindling down as we went further. This is why the chatter was moving up with them moving off of Jeremy Chin. So, yeah, I look, defensively, it might not affect us nearly as much. I mean, unless you think Jamie Robinson can just step on in in that Jeremy Chin role and help you out a little more, but they haven't depended on him even at all. Like, Jeremy Chin is only playing 30%. Jamie Robinson's giving you zero to five. So they clearly don't trust Jamie Robinson. So yes, even if it is a smaller level, it's going to affect this football team. Casey Steve writes in on the text line, I just want it to stop. He sends in the office, Jim, GIF, GIF, whatever you want to call it. I just want the injuries to stop. It's unfortunate for this team to go through this once more. And so if Jeremy Chin is a guy whose stock is clearly down, okay? I mean, it was, it's been moving down ever since that rookie season ended. Not on the rise again. Who are some of the other players that you might think their stock is moving down based off of where it was? Let's say it was at neutral level going into the season. Wes, who are some of the other players you would point to as saying, yep, their stock is going down 
here we uh, here in six weeks through the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have to look right now. Derek Brown on defense, man. When you look at the season that he had, his grade was right up there in the top ten with interior defensive linemen. Right now, uh, according to PFF, sitting at a seventy-two point six. Uh, this is a guy that we haven't seen. You know, the amount of tackles is high, but you just don't feel the impact from him. And this was a dude that when we talked about it before the season started, interior defensive lineman can always be a bit worrisome because you wonder how the hunger is. And maybe it's an effect of this new defense that they're in and the different positions that he plays in. He's got 31 tackles. That's a very big amount of tackles for a man that large playing on the interior of the defensive line. But only two tackles for loss, one sack. Uh, Analytically, the grades aren't looking how you want it to look either. So he would be the first guy that I would point to as far as a guy that was coming into this season, really looking to continue to ascend, really looking to enter his name into the upper echelon of interior defensive linemen. And to be frank, it just hasn't happened. And I think that's got to be a disappointing part of this year too. Now, I thought maybe the numbers, I thought it was going to be in reverse to where he was doing things that you don't see in the stat sheet because that's the main reason that I like the PFS and the analytics sites because the grades kind of tell you what's going on inside of the numbers. Like the numbers can look one way, sure, but then those grades are telling me like what's really going on because it's just how coaches grade when they grade you on a snap in, you know, snap out basis. Uh, Are you getting pluses and minuses on those things? And so for Derek Brown, the grade kind of tells me that, uh, the the play has taken a step back. So, yeah, like in, we talk about pro football focus grades. The last three for him have not been good. The first three were great. So it's been a tale of two seasons just through the first six weeks of Derrick Brown so far. The first three, he was very good. He was one of the highest grade defensive tackles in all of football, grading out at an 85. Now we're talking about him having a 50, 53, 57. If you just look at overall defensive grade coming from pro football focus, there are some other stats when you talk about win rate that Derrick Brown had been very good in coming into last week. I haven't checked him since the Miami Dolphins game, but even heading into this season, I still think Derek Brown is a guy that I would call a foundational player, but he has not been somebody in the last three games that has been able to overcome a lot of the injuries that that defensive side of the ball has, has given you. And so now when you're depending on Derek Brown and Brian Burns, yeah, if they don't make a play, then who else can you trust now? Especially if Frankie Luvu is somebody that is not making a ton of tackles, you know, or Frankie Luvu is missing some. He's somebody else. I just think this is a defense now that when you when you miss your starting middle linebacker in Shaq Thompson, who was the quarterback, quote unquote, of the defense, you're missing J.C. Horn. You're missing Dante Jackson for games as bad as he is. Then you have to put C.J. Henderson in. Now you don't have Xavier Woods. You don't have Von Bell. You're starting Matthias Farley out there as a guy that was picked up on the practice squad on the back end. And now the defense overall, I'll even say just flat out defense, maybe not an individual player, but Averro, I still think is a really bright mind. I think you ran into a couple buzz saws with Detroit and Miami, but defensively, man, it's just not working for him because of injuries and because of some of the talent that you faced on the opposition. Yeah, and that's been an interesting part of this year, too, because uh, when you look at what they were able to do in Denver, he definitely had the, the really good corner, Sertan, but as far as that goes, not a lot of household names on that defense, but uh, they were still able to be one of the better units in the league, and so they've been struggling, but the injuries, I mean, you've lost every starter in your secondary. Uh, that's wild. And then, like you said, some of the play of the guys that you expected to step up that's been another storyline to talk about. When you talk Luvu, Brown, Burns, you haven't been getting the collective 
dominance from those three that you kind of banked on because that's what this defense was going to hang their hat on. Obviously, team game, we get all that, but the stars of the defense were supposed to be the stars. Brian Burns, he shows up every now and again. Uh, we just talked about Derek Brown, him stepping back. And then Frankie Louvre as well. He's taking a step back, in my opinion. And so that's really hurt this defense as well with those three not being the terrors uh, that they were at times last year. All right, so let's go to the text line. Some people are writing about stock down, stock up for some of these guys. 813 saying Derek Brown should be up there with Vita Vea, but he's not. Colin saying, question for West being a former player. Are these injuries freak or are they attributed to lack of preseason play? Combo of both. Thanks. That's coming in from Colin of Charlotte. What say you, former player? Man, it's hard to put your finger on it because I know that these guys train really hard and I know that the Panthers uh, strength and conditioning staff is quite capable. But man, I'll tell you, you know, you watch that pro game. It's amazing that any of these guys make it through 17 games, to be frank. When you see the twists, the turns, the different things that guys have to do, the hits, the violence, man. So I I don't know. I mean, I, you you want to find something tangible to point your finger and say, well, maybe it's the strength and conditioning that they have going on or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, maybe not as many teams have been hit as hard as the Panthers, but it's still a lot of teams that have had a lot of injuries as well. And so I think that it's just one of those things, just the attrition of pro football. And everybody talks about going into the playoffs that it's who's the healthiest is a part of the equation of who you pick to win too. And I think it's just attrition and luck. Like you gotta be lucky to be able to survive 80 to 90% of these games with all of these guys that endure. And I just think it just, for the Panthers, injuries just aren't on their side this year. It's definitely not on their side, no doubt about it. Uh, Chris from Belmont saying, how many draft picks are actually good in the last five years? Yeah, a lot of people asking that question. It's not been pretty. And speaking of draft picks, if we just want to move to the offensive side of the ball, man, Icky, his stock has been plummeting ever since we got into the season. It was plummeting, but yeah, there, preseason. there were signs. It was almost like the big short. There were signs of this coming in the offseason, but... I looked the other way. It's like, look, he's sixth overall pick. He'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, you're saying they helped him a lot last year? No, it'll, it'll be fine. They can do that again. He's a physical guy. Love me some icky. You're going to have the offensive line when Austin Corbett comes back. They can hold it down. He's got Chandler Smalley. He's got his old teammate. Yeah. It's going to be just fine, Wes. I was I was the uh, a couple of the bros that was still just doubling down in Florida in that movie The Big Short until it all came plummeting and uh, I was one that was suffering from it. Icky, no doubt, his stock is going down after last year. And I think that that's arguably the most disappointing player to have their stock going down because oh, yeah. we know how much that position means, especially to this team when you're protecting uh, what I call the crown jewel in uh, Bryce Young. When your left tackle digresses and you thought you had something and invested a high draft pick in him, that's got to be super disheartening because now at the end of the season, regardless, you're going to have to evaluate that position and perhaps try to go out and find an upgrade. If, if his season continues and you just don't feel good about it at all, I think maybe he gets another shot next season at this thing. But this offensive line, like I said, they're going to need basically an overhaul. Mm -hmm. And uh, the grocery list for the Panthers is really long right now. Yeah, Icky, what's weird about him is, so he's graded out pretty, 
when we saw the game against Atlanta, that was the most pleased I think we were with the offensive line. It was weird because they struggled in the preseason. And then we came in that Monday after the Atlanta loss. We're like, hey, it was not the offensive line's fault. They actually protected Bryce. They were good. Icky gave up one sack, and it was late. Right. But other than that, they were good for most of that game. We were focused on a lot of other things. We were not focused on the offensive line. And if we want to do the PFF thing, Icky graded at 79. The next two games were really bad from him. Pass blocking, I should say. This is I'm, I'm looking at pass blocking more so because that's what we're talking about here. I, I want him to be a great run blocker, and we can talk no, about that's that. That's quite important. It is important. <laughs> but if you're – you didn't call Miles Sanders a tube of the crown jewel. Bryce Young is this the crown is, jewel. Yes. So if we're talking about the most important part of him being the blindside protector, it's pass blocking. And he's been graded out pretty well the last three games. The problem is – the second play of the game, Bryce Young gets dropped because you let Bradley Chubb get by you on what seemed on, on a possession you got help on from Chuba. Those are some of the issues. So second play of the game gets dropped. Fourth quarter, Icky in, against Atlanta allows Bryce Young to get dropped. And I think those are some of the problems that we have with our first round left tackle. But four of the six that he's played... Weirdly enough, he's been graded out well as far as pass blocking goes. Yeah, man. I mean, currently graded the 48th best tackle in football. And that's just... In pass blocking or overall? No, just overall. And and that's the thing, man. I thought he was going to come into the season as we thought he was going to ascend. Thought the preseason was going to be a bit of trouble. And so I think this is a guy, too, that... If it's not working out, man, they, they might have to think about kicking him down inside, maybe. I mean, you could be talking about potentially a left guard if this type of play continues because you can't afford to have a guy out there at left tackle that you consider to be a liability. Like, that's just not good. And so uh, for this Panthers team also, you talking uh, stock up and stock down. Obviously, we'll talk about him later. I think Thielen's stock is way up. I think Chuba Hubbard has gotten his stock up. Uh, oh, yeah, Chuba's is way up, on. no doubt. Um but, yeah, I mean, all of these offensive linemen have taken a lick. I mean, even your boy Taylor Moten. And uh, it's just been it's just been unfortunate for this group, this, this five, that they ended the season the way that they did. And, and the thing was, it wasn't, just a, it wasn't just a small sample size where the last two games of the season they played well. Basically, from the time Steve Wilkes took over, this offensive line took a completely different attitude. Like Moose says on the line that I'm not worried about the tackles. You better be. <laughs> I mean, I get what he's be. saying, though. Like, I, I get what he's saying. I'm more so worried about the interior, especially when it comes. Look, everything about this season and beyond is all about how can we allow Bryce Young to lead us to the promised land? What do we do to surround him with the requisite talent to bring us to a playoff appearance and a Super Bowl in whatever timeline? And Icky has shown that he can be that guy. He's had some disaster games so far this season. The run blocking, there are times where he grades out well. It's just inconsistent, really. I think now when we're looking at Icky, there's just too much inconsistency from him. You know this as a left tackle better than anybody, Wes. You give up one sack, everybody's going to destroy you for it. Because think about it. He gave up a sack early in this game. Mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> Story's already written about Icky Aquano. But if you were to go to a place that provides advanced stats, they are trying to tell you, no, nah, he actually wasn't awful. You just remember that first sack that he allowed, and mm-hmm. he actually hadn't been that bad. And so if you allow one sack, it's bye. 
Like, there goes your positive game script. I'm deleting all of it, and I'm telling us, I'm telling everybody about how disappointing you've been. Taylor Moten, who had not given up a sack, even though he gave up pressure from Cam Jordan. Aiden Hutchinson ate him up in that one stretch we saw big time, and then he gave up a sack here as his first one you know, of the season. But, man, the interior lineman, you talked about it being a communication sack. The only saving grace that we potentially have here, Wes, and we've talked about it a lot, it's Austin Corbett. Good God. Austin, we need you badly. Can you come back? Can you be healthy and ready to go immediately? The good news is that he's practicing. He told you that this is kind of his training camp, and I think that will help quite a bit. It's not going to make them the Dallas Cowboys offensive line from the 90s, but I think it will make them better, and that's the only thing we can really cling on with hope to hopefully see that uh, this offensive line will protect Bryce better. Yeah, and so that's the thing, too, and that's where you really start to put Fitterer under a microscope, man, because – you, you look at the franchises who are great at the draft and you question sometimes how they miss on some of these picks. Like you look at the offensive tackle grade, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest, fourth round pick, 140th selection sitting there right now, 15th uh, in all of the NFL. And so the Panthers have just not done a fantastic job of scouting and drafting. And that's something that's going to have to improve. I don't know if you get rid of the whole scouting staff or what you have to do, but something's got to change in that war room to where they're able to draft players, build quality depth, because that's a huge thing in the NFL. I feel like you need it now more than ever, but quality depth is just something that this franchise, especially in seasons like this, just have not been good at. And, I mean, you look at this draft now, you're looking at potentially one player out of the five you selected that's going to be a guy that's going to be around here for the long term, and that sets your franchise back more than missing on first-round picks. There is one team at least playing well here in Carolina. That's the North Carolina Tar Heels. There's a couple of them. One of them is the Tar Heels. Undefeated. Let's talk about them a little bit more so and the rest of the ACC football scene with Andrea Adelson of ESPN. She joins us next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We've been talking about who are Wes's guys. It's very weird. He's discussed how Michael Myers, which is almost a scary season That's now. That's my dude, man. I was about to get the t-shirt the other day just for y'all. And then you said Jigsaw after I told you just how badly Saw scared me when I was yeah. a kid. You said, hey, Walker, let's go see Saw. I mean, I can't tell you 
it is the last movie I would ever go see. In theaters, being that vulnerable in front of people? Yeah. Nah, man. You got me all the way yeah, through. Yeah, see, I thought I, I can't do demonic, but I do like thrillers. And I said Saw is like a morbid fable. Like, he's trying to teach people lessons to keep them from doing a stuff that they used to do. Like, that's what it is. I'm going to stick to Jeffrey Chaucer, Wes. Please, you can get out of here with your jigsaw fables. It's the Wesley Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's head over to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and talk some ACC football with Andrea Adelson. You can follow her on Twitter, by the way, at A. Adelson ESPN. Andrea, do you like horror films and scary movies, or are you with me in saying no thank you? Yeah, no. Uh, Barbie, Taylor Swift, those are more my feet, guys. <laughs> I'm, I just, I, I can't. You know, it's funny. We had Dino Babers on our show a few weeks ago, and he's a huge movie buff, but he also hates scary movies because that means when he closes his eyes at night, he thinks about all the possibilities of ways he could potentially, you know, meet his end. He doesn't want to do that. So he doesn't (laughs) watch scary movies. (laughs) Wow. Dino Babers, my spirit animal. I think a lot of people have talked about that before, but I didn't realize it was because of our hatred of scary movies. Now I know. I want to know a little bit more about this article you wrote, too, Andrea, on ESPN. I think it was dropped yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. It was about Tez Walker and his fight, his long NCAA, uh, his fight with the NCAA for eligibility. Here's what I want to know. What's something that you learned, Andrea, about Tez Walker and UNC's fight with the NCAA to play you think more people should know about? What's something being under-discussed you feel is important? Yeah, it's a great question because there was a lot that was happening behind the scenes that I'm not sure a lot of people maybe understood or knew about in the moment. When the NCAA initially, back in August, said he couldn't be eligible, it wasn't as if they made that ruling over a week's time. This had been a process that had lasted six months up until that point, and it involved multiple appeals, multiple reconsiderations, multiple ways that North Carolina was trying to get Tez Walker eligible. So it's not as if this was uh, an easy, we'll file the waiver and then we'll just wait and hear from the NCAA. It wasn't anything like that. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of interpretation of what North Carolina could or could not do to file on his behalf. There were rule changes along the way. For example, NC Central and Kent State were both in favor of Tez Walker having immediate eligibility and were willing to file waivers on his behalf to do that. In the past, the NCAA would accept those waivers, but they changed the bylaws and any sort of waiver in support of eligibility is no longer really considered anymore. That was a change along the way that caught North Carolina, I think, a little bit off guard because remember their point was that uh his time at nc central because he did not play there it should not count against his eligibility so they tried a different route uh with using COVID exceptions to try and make that and again there were a lot of different um uh conversations back and forth between the school and the ncaa and i think it's also important to remember here guys The way this thing ended made it feel as if this was a very adversarial process. There was a lot of animosity because of the back and forth from the statements and what North Carolina was saying, what the NCAA said. But in all honesty, the NCAA wants, I know it doesn't seem this way because of what happened. They want to be able to make sure guys are, are, have what they need to be eligible to play. So from their perspective, they're, they're happy it worked out. They didn't want this to be an adversarial process. Um, what happened ultimately was 
to the great benefit of Tez Walker. And Tez Walker also repeatedly told me he is grateful to the NCAA that they were able to change their mind. It just took a lot to be able to get there. Well, and it became adversarial when Mac Brown released a statement that he did. And then once we did that, the NCAA, they responded. And then when even Tez Walker was ruled eligible, that was adversarial too. Even when yeah. they're, we got the good news. We have all this information. We have new information. It was North Carolina's fault that we didn't have the information that we needed in the first place. But now he's eligible because we found it. Uh, did, do we know what that info is, Andrea? Or is the NCAA just you know saying something as to uh, why they allowed Tess Walker to be eligible and it really wasn't all that different from the information they had in the first place? Well, there's conflicting information in that regard. Uh, And so you look at the statement from the NCAA, and I reached out to comment for comment from the NCAA, and they pointed to that statement. So they stand behind (laughs) that statement, right, that there's new information. Tez Walker said there was no new information. But then you read the statement from North Carolina's chancellor, and he mentions there was information that they then presented the NCAA that came up after the process. When I asked, uh, Tez's attorney, Elliot Abrams, what was the new information? He also declined to say because of attorney client privilege. So something is there, right? We don't know what it was. We don't know what it is. Uh, the NCAA is not going to put out any of that information because that relates to, you know, student athlete pri- privacy um, concerns. Um, Tez Walker and his attorneys could put it out if they wanted to, but they don't have to either. So we're caught in this gray area where the NCAA stands behind the statement. Tez Walker says there was no new information. The attorney says, well, I can't really release anything, even if there was new information. And so that, to me, of all the things that were in that story, that's the one thing I couldn't get answered. That's the one thing I don't feel definitively good about is what was the new information? Was it new information? Are we parsing words here in terms of the word new? Um, was it supplemental information that uh, helped the case? You know, I mean, that word new, right, can yeah. probably be used in several different ways. North Carolina insists, insists that they gave the NCAA every bit of information at the time that they had it. So, again, you could parse those words and say, well, when did they have the information? Uh, so the bottom line is the NCAA stands behind what they say. Tez Walker says what he says. North Carolina says the third thing. And uh, unless somebody comes out with it, I think that's going to remain uh, a bit of a gray area. Andrea Adelson joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow her on Twitter at A Adelson ESPN. And Andrea, you're looking at the ACC right now. Three undefeated teams at the top and then three more teams with one loss. Do you have a bold uh, prediction about how you think that this thing will shake out and which teams uh, have the most potential to get to Charlotte at this point? Two undefeated teams. Uh, Louisville lost. So it's just Florida State and North Carolina right now. Well, I guess uh, what ACC are... records <laughs> undefeated in the okay, ACC. Record. I got you. I yeah, got sorry you. about that. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Um, I-, I think Florida State has the clearest path uh, to making it to Charlotte, uh, quite honestly, although – you know, they do have some difficult games, starting with Duke, and that's the other undefeated team in ACC play I think you're referring to. Um, so that is going to be a challenge, I think, for Florida State this weekend. But the fact that we still don't know if Riley Leonard is going to play, I think, and the fact that it's at home in Tallahassee, 
gives Florida State an edge. I think they're probably going to be challenged on the road at Pitt. We just saw what they did against Louisville, and I think Miami's going to give them a challenge as well. So I don't necessarily think that Florida State is going to just sail through the rest of their schedule. I think there'll be challenges along the way, but in my view, I think they have the best chance at getting to Charlotte undefeated. North Carolina and Duke have a lot of challenges left on the schedule, including playing each other. Um, and North Carolina's got to go on the road to play Georgia Tech, a place where I think they're 2-10 in 10 over the last 12 games. They've lost their last two uh, in Atlanta, including last season. Um, and uh, then they also have Clemson on the road. So I don't necessarily think that North Carolina it has as easy a schedule uh, to make it undefeated to to Charlotte the way that, that Florida State does. But I'm gonna, if I'm going to put them in order, I think Duke has the hardest road yet because they've also got Louisville on their schedule in addition to North Carolina uh, and uh, Florida State. So if I'm going to put it in order based on strength of schedule and win probability to make it to Charlotte, I still think it's going to be Florida State and North Carolina. I just don't know if North Carolina is going to make it there undefeated. All right, and then last thing before we get you out of here, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment of the ACC season thus far? I think Duke is the biggest surprise, quite honestly, based on the schedule that they had to start the year. I don't know how many people would have them ranked right now in the top 25 with a number four defense and scoring defense uh, at this point in the season. Um, So I would say that. And the biggest disappointment, I think, has been Pitt. You probably could say Wake Forest also. It might be a tie. Uh, between those two schools right now. Um, and these are two schools that played for an ACC championship just two years ago. And they're now at the bottom of the ACC standing. So if I had to pick one, I'd still probably give a slight edge to Pitt. But we'll see what happens because they're playing each other this weekend. So that'll be like a really good barometer to figure out which one uh, maybe could take the lead in that uh, in that department. Inside Tez Walker's long NCAA fight for eligibility. Go check that article out on ESPN.com. You can also see it tweeted out on Andrea's timeline on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN. Andrea Adelson on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Great stuff, Andrea. We really appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me again. Thanks, Andrea. Really good stuff here. I I absolutely advise you guys to go read this if you care a little bit more about how Tez Walker was able to come back to play college football this season with North Carolina. Let's talk more college football. It's the Campus Corner on the other side of the break. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.